Welcome to episode 90 of the Various and Sundry podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who is my go-to pinch hitter, John Scott Sloat. Doc, what's going on? Uh, you were preaching this weekend, not at our church, but yes. at, uh, at a church in Fort Wayne. How do yes. you pronounce that town name? Aboit, I think. Aboit. Yeah. Which, Aboit. Yeah, which is strange because I actually got a little history lesson being there. I was told that the the church where the church is located, it used to be in the town of Aboit, Indiana. But Fort Wayne, like 20 years ago, annexed it. Like really? Basi- like basically said, no, you're going to become part of Fort Wayne. And did did the civilians marshal a army of some kind and rebel? Uh, no army, except for an army of lawyers, and really? it went all the way to the Indiana S- Supreme Court. Interesting. And the city of Fort Wayne won. Wow! I don't know how that works. So what's taking what's what? Why wouldn't Fort Wayne just like take more cities? I mean, that's more tax <laughs> dollars. Know. You know, all those things. Uh, yeah, I don't know how that works. I mean, that that Interesting. You, you can just decide. No, we're going to take you over and legally it's like, OK, I guess you can't do anything about it. Like, I, 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 I didn't get, huh. to, get to the particulars of the legal brief, but uh, yeah. So it was, in the, it was in the city of Fort Wayne where I huh. preached. OK. Um, yeah. So that was fun to, to do that. A little different than uh, Putin taking Crimea. Yeah. A little different. Yeah. There, there, there were no shots fired. Yeah. Um, that we're aware of. That we're aware yeah. of. In, in this, but um, yeah, it was it was a good Sunday, which which meant that you had to step in and uh, pinch hit for me in my mm-hmm. life ed class on the Gospel of Luke, uh, which was uh, you know standing room only. Um, I think because they were expecting you and, and found and found <laughs> I, and found me to be there. I doubt that. Uh, and then uh, let me tell you. Any any of my students that I've ever had would tell you I do not like teaching with the door open. Like I'm I'm always fearful somebody's in the hallway listening for me, <laughs> and uh, like trying to catch me in something. I don't know. It's 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 a Scotia paranoia. Um, so they shut the doors, which I was fine with in that room. But it got to oh, it like gets roasting hot in there. eighty five degrees in there. It felt like so it was yeah. it was quite warm. Yeah, when you put sixty bodies in there and you close those doors, yeah, oof. It's it's a little rough, but so thank you for oh no problem filling no problem. in for Happy me. to do it, and I'll yeah. I'll do it again in October. Yeah, and what did you what did you preach on at uh, Aboit? There you go, or Fort Wayne? Uh, well, the name of the church is Aboit Baptist, so yeah. it's, it's their own little form of protest. Like, totally, yes. totally, it is, it is. And my guess is is that if, if if there was a movement to change the name, the church would you know it's one of those things where you think. That that could split a church. Yeah, I, I'm not oh, saying yeah. anything specific about that particular congregation. I'm just saying you could see that being something where like, no, we may have lost the, the city, but we're keeping our church. <laughs> <laughs> so I preached on uh, Philippians 1, 27 to 30. Oh, nice. Nice. Living as citizens of God's kingdom. So – but anyway, um, we would love for you to connect with the show. We are on Twitter at VNSPod. You can email the show, variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. Facebook, Various and Sundry Podcast. YouTube, Various and Sundry Podcast. And we 
always invite a review and a five-star rating. And John, we have breaking news. We had a new review this week. Yeah, yeah. One that took a shot um, at, at me. Yes. <laughs> well, not that we ha- we've had reviews in the past that have taken shots at my math skills. Yes. Uh, Legitimately so. I think that's a fair shot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this one took a – just said boo Mets. Um, wasn't well crafted. Wasn't well thought out. It was just a single line that said, love John and Matt. Boo Mets. But I think the, t- the title of the review is something like five-star podcast, one-star taste in sports or something yeah, like something that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. That was rough. OK. So, so we are grateful for uh, whomever you are. That, uh, At least a little bit. That you took the time to do that. Hey, what matters is the five stars. He's a five-star listener. Yeah. One-star <laughs> reviewer. Wow. Oh, man. Shots fired. This is what yeah. – He or she. I don't know. I don't yeah, know well, yeah. So you – yeah. We, 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 we respectfully request reviews <laughs> and then you just trash someone who gives a review. I see how that works. This is their five minutes of fame. Maybe. You know? Maybe. Or 11, whatever the number is. <laughs> so let's let's hit up the world of sports. John, the Jets are still bad. Yeah, they got roughed up uh, a little bit. Now it's a Bill Belichick defense. He loves to pick on rookie quarterbacks. So I don't know how much stock to put on it. Uh, Zach Wilson had four interceptions in the game. Yeah. Two of them were tipped, though. Um, and so, you know, one was just end of the game, bad mm-hmm. throw. Yeah, end of the third quarter, bad throw. Is but, he still your favorite Mormon? Yeah, I don't have many other Mormons to root for, so <laughs> okay. he he might be my favorite. Could you name another favorite Mormon of mine? Um, no, I don't know Sean Bradley. Yeah, maybe <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't so know. that's that's why I go Zach Wilson, my favorite Mormon. Okay, yeah. I mean, I don't know who else to pick. Hopefully not. Um, Brigham Young? Yeah. Or Joseph Smith? <laughs> no, I think Zach Wilson's a pretty safe bet. Um, okay. And how did, how did the Buckeyes do over the weekend? So they they beat an overmatched Tulsa team, but it was not a pretty game. The, the defense is still rough. There were some adjustments made. Basically, they changed who's calling the defensive plays in-game. Okay. Um, and to, that to, – To who? So – uh, the secondary coach. So the defensive coordinator is no longer calling the plays. That feels weird. Yeah. That, he, yeah, he's not going to last. At the end. I mean, they're not going to fire him midseason. But, um, and so they did make more in-game adjustments, which was encouraging, but they still look rough. They're still nowhere near uh, where they need to be defensively. Hmm. Uh, the, the, the best news coming out of that game was the fact that Ohio State's uh, freshman running back, highly touted, five-star, set the uh, freshman single-game record for rushing yards. Okay. Breaking the record of Archie Griffin. Oh, wow. And it was the third highest rushing total, single-game rushing total in Ohio State history. He ran for 277 yards. Wow. He was was electric. Okay. So bright spot there. Yeah, yeah. But – And in Tulsa, is is, is that who you were playing? Yeah. Yeah, they're not. Not a great front seven, huh? No. Okay. No. Um, this upcoming week, they play Akron, who's the Zips. terrible. Yeah, they're terrible. Man. So they've got a few weeks here to try to figure it out. A but few cupcakes. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I'm not optimistic on this, on this, this season anymore. Um, but I, I do take some solace in the fact that I still don't think Notre Dame is very good. They beat Purdue. 
Purdue's not very good. Um, and um, I had a guy in my life group, Lee in Indiana, was at the Notre Dame game over the weekend. Okay, yeah. They play Wisconsin this upcoming week. I think either Wisconsin or Cincinnati, that's who they play the next two weeks. One of those two teams will beat them. Okay. If not both. You're making a prediction. You're calling I'm, your shot. I'm going out on a limb here. Wow. They, Notre Dame will lose at least one of those games. You heard it here first, folks. That's right. Breaking yeah. news. Um, and IU fans, a little salty after losing to Cincinnati. Mm. So, um, yeah, I I don't know what to make of this college football season. And, and we should point out um, – Penn State beat Auburn. That's a good win for Penn State. And Florida took Bama down to the wire and, uh, you know, make, made them look mortal. So we'll okay. see if that matters. But, um, yeah, just a, it, it's just nice to have football back on. I, I, yes. I just enjoy the, 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 the droning of football on in the background as I'm working on other things. It was a busy weekend. I mean, you you were preaching. Mm-hmm. I had my cookout. I was teaching. Uh, yes, for, it was it was a busy busy weekend. I had a major project due on Friday that made me pulling my hair out at four o'clock on Friday. So. Yes, yes. So, um, anything else in the world of sport? Where are the Mets at? Are they out? Are they, are they eliminated yet? Oh, I don't know if they're like officially eliminated. I'm going to steer away from the word mathematically. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. but it's bad. It's bad. They're all the podcasts are talking about off-season signings now. Okay. So, number of free agents on our team, those sorts of things. And they're shipping off people um, that we've had for a long time that have been, uh, you know, homegrown talent that are just like, get rid of them, you know, all these things. So, a little house cleaning going on there? I think so. Yeah. There's talk of Billy Bean coming to the Mets. Okay. Um, which, did you know Billy – have you seen Moneyball? Yeah. Okay. He was drafted by the Mets. Originally, I didn't remember that. Yes, Billy Bean was dra- He was called a five-tool player. All these things drafted by the Mets and was a dud. Um, but has obviously made a way for himself, a name for yeah. himself as a executive. So I remember the part of the movie where he, he was drafted and highly touted and ended up being a bust. But I don't remember him being. It, it was the fact that the Mets drafted him. Yes, it was the Mets that drafted, him, which is like the most Metsian thing ever, right? We draft this five-tool, <laughs> amazing high school yeah. player. Burns out, never does well, yeah. um, and ends up being this top executive. You know, it's like we get the guy, we do the wrong thing with him, and then he goes elsewhere and, and just flourishes. Yeah. So very Metzian. Metzian. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a real word out in the it out is. in the sphere. Yeah. Yep. People okay. use Metzian. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It describes something that, like, with good intentions, but ultimately fails terribly. Yeah. Mm. Very Metzian. Okay. Yeah. Have you not heard that term? I, I have not. No. But I can think of countless applications. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, very Metzian. Uh, a few years ago, they had a Twitter contest. Uh, why did you become a Mets fan? And, and they wanted people naming like their, you know, my, my grandfather. Grandpa, yeah. yeah, all these things. <laughs> and people were just like, I love pain and suffering. <laughs> I have to have a reason to drink. You know, you know, all, all, all of because these. Because I don't deserve nice things. Yes, yeah. yes. All, all of those sorts of answers. And that's an example of something that's very Metzian. Yeah. Good intentions. Yeah, something comes down yeah. in flames. <laughs> Went dark very quick. <laughs> uh, well, John, I think it's time for us to move on to our main topic today. What are we doing? Um, we're talking about parables. 
And we're starting a, uh, a, a multiple episode series. Yes, a uh, series of, of indeterminate length. Yes, of, uh, of parables. Yes. So uh, I think today we're just talking about what are they? Yeah. Where do they come from? You know, well, scripture, but, you know, what, <laughs> what, uh, what are they like? What are some key elements to them? Uh, yeah. And then starting uh, next week, we'll, we'll start digging into some parables one by one. And yeah. Dig into them a little bit. So, Doc, I'll put the question to you. Uh, what What is a parable? Yeah, so that's one of those terms that we use um, that I think we uh, throw around and then – but when you stop to try to actually give a crisp, concise yeah. definition that it's difficult to, um, to do that. So I think my um, – I'll try to get it from a couple of different – Ways. I mean, when you when you look at it from a from a strictly biblical perspective, it is a figure of speech. It is okay. a figure of speech in which uh, a spiritual reality is um, portrayed using elements of our experience in this world. Okay. So from from that kind of basic starting point. Uh, Kind of the fundamental dynamic of a parable is it is it suggests it indicates points of correspondence between earthly an earthly reality and a spiritual reality. And and would you say they're desired they're designed to teach us things as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they are intended to communicate spiritual truths. Okay. In a way that um, I think. Sometimes just straight, um, forward, didactic, or uh, statements don't always do. So, meaning, um, you know, you can you can you can say a statement like, "The kingdom of God does not operate on the principle of fairness, but it operates mm-hmm. on the principle of grace." That's sort of a like sort of a thesis statement kind of sure. thing. Sure. Okay. Uh, true. Or you can tell a parable. That constructs a story that basically invites you to reach that conclusion. So I think um, that's that's part of the beauty of the parables. Honestly, is that um, one of the analogies I like to use is when you read when you read the uh, the the epistles. It's like truth is knocking on the front door, right? It's sure. it's Paul making very clear statements. You know, no man is justified by works of the law. Okay, very straightforward. Yep. Uh, parables are more like a, a good friend who knocks on the on the the kitchen door, or the back door, back porch, and comes in and sits down, and you have a cup of coffee or a glass of lemonade, and just tells a story. And then there's a point to that story that kind of catches you maybe off guard, but um, it's it feels a little bit more. Uh, it feels less threatening, less confrontational at the beginning. <laughs> But by the end, it's confrontational. So let me, let me ask this. I think Jesus is most famous for parables. Um, yeah. Is he the only one that does parables in Scripture? Well, he's certainly the most prominent one. Yeah. But there are parables actually in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. We often – we might know of them, but we don't kind of put them together as parables. So for example, I think the most um, – maybe the most well-known parable in the Old Testament or one of them is – when the prophet Nathan tells this story to King David 
to basically confront him about his adultery with Bathsheba. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't just walk into David's presence and go, God told me that you committed adultery with Bathsheba. That could be the express route to the gallows right there. Yes. So instead, he tells this story about a poor man who's got you know one little ewe lamb and a rich man who basically comes and takes it from him. And you know that gets David all worked up like, well, man, that, that guy should be basically judged and condemned. And all Nathan has to do at that point is go, that's you. You're the man. You're the man. Yes. When I was in <laughs> seminary, there was a group of us that wanted to form a conference called a You're the Man Conference. <laughs> um, just sort of ripping that verse uh, completely out of sure, context. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so there are there are parables in the Old Testament. But, um, you know, it, Jesus – and parables exist outside of even scripture. They're found in you know Greek and Roman literature. They're found uh, in Jewish rabbinic literature. Hmm. But um, it seems like when it comes to the use of parables, having such a central role in his teaching ministry, that is really where Jesus stands out. That so much of his teaching ministry comes down to us through the parables mm-hmm. that uh, it seems to be a, a significant distinctive of his. And that's – is it fair to say that's where we'll spend our time in this multi – episode length. I have no intentions of, of talking about Greek parables or rabbinic uh, literature rabbinic parable. literature or parables. Why so. not? I mean, we could <laughs> Well, I, you know, I I don't know that that would be the most thrilling content. I, I just don't know that that's where our demographic is at. Really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, you've done the high-powered research on our audience and uh, you know, you've gathered all the data yeah, that high-powered that, that yeah. they that they give us. Yeah, I think they're probably interested in the the Bible. Yeah, yeah, that's my sense. That's my sense. Yeah, so when it comes to when it comes to parables, I think one of the th- things that stands out to me oftentimes is the fact that that they um, they work on a principle of reversal, mm-hmm. meaning that uh, Jesus will construct the story of the parable in such a way that. He invites you to get to a specific point where you identify with certain a certain character in the parable only to realize that um, you're actually in the crosshairs of Jesus. Hmm. <laughs> so I mean I mentioned the you know earlier uh, I don't know I don't think we'll do this we don't plan on doing this parable so I We'll use this one as an example, but in Matthew twenty, it's, there's the parable of the of the workers in the vineyard, where the the landowner goes out and hires different groups of workers throughout the course of the day. So yeah. one set at the beginning, and then another set a couple hours later, and then at the end of the day, goes to pay them, pays the ones that arrived le- the latest a full denarius, a full day's wage. Mm-hmm. But then that creates the expectation among the others that well. Those guys work like one hour. I worked the whole day. I'm going to get more, and they don't. And so when when that happens, they grumble and they complain, understandably so, because the way Jesus has constructed the parable, as you're reading that, you're supposed to think, well, that's not fair. Yeah, <laughs> that's not fair. You know, and I when I teach on this parable in in in, in the classroom, I'll, I'll say, you know, if if I if I had a scenario where I Pick a random student. I'll say, you know, Joe over here. Joe does all the assignments, does everything well, 
and he ends up earning an A. Now, Steve over here, let's say he turns in one assignment and it's okay work, but not great. Mm -hmm. But I still give him an A for the course, just like I gave Joe. Would you think that was fair? And everyone's like, well, no, of course not. Now you get the parable. <laughs> because the whole point that yep. Jesus is making is the kingdom of God doesn't operate on the principle of fairness. It operates yep. on the principle of grace. Mm -hmm. But by Jesus telling the parable the way that he does, he, he, he masterfully guides you into identifying with a group that joins in the that's not fair statement to get you to realize, oh, now I see it. <laughs> um one one thing that I've heard a lot about parables, and maybe maybe you could speak to this, is that uh, I, I've heard it said that parables make one point. Mm -hmm. Would would you concur with that? We haven't talked about this previous, but would you would you think that's that's right that parables communicate a single point, or can we pull five to six things out of a parable? Yes. <laughs> Okay, thanks. That, <laughs> that makes for great radio, doesn't yes. it? Yes. Um, so <laughs> I, it's a both and because I, I do think that parables have a a central point. Every parable has a central main yeah. thrust. But sometimes that point is complex rather than simple. Mm -hmm. And so I do think you can draw multiple points out of a parable, but I think – that all of them are in some way organized around a central thrust of the parable. So if you want to think of it as there's sort of the core nucleus of the parable, that's the main thrust. Mm -hmm. And then there are additional points that come out of that, that even rotate around that. But um, yeah, I think that's probably how I'd best say it. Okay. Okay. And I think that um, you know th it can often be fruitful – you know, if if parables work on the principle of correspondence, meaning this corresponds to that, and we'll talk more about that as we go through specific parables. But um, you know, there are some parables where Jesus says this equals that. You know, the parable of the sower and the soils. He'll say, you know, the you know the seed that fell on the rock uh, on the path there that that refers to this. That's this. That that this equals that. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so. Um, well, of course, there are multiple points that come out of that, mm -hmm. um, but I think they're all organized around a central thrust of the parable. Yeah. Um, what and, – and this is a leading question. Uh, Aren't they all? Yeah, a, a little bit. Um, <laughs> um, have parables ever been misinterpreted? I mean obviously all parts of scripture sure. are misinterpreted at some yeah. point. Yeah. Um, have parables been especially – misinterpreted throughout our history. Yeah, I think that um, the – when you read through some of the church fathers in particular, there can be a tendency to uh, to allegorize parables. And what I mean by that is that they take every single detail mm -hmm. and invest it with some like profound spiritual significance and sometimes will do so in a manner that uh, – is completely removed from the original context so that there's no possible way that Jesus could have meant that. Hmm. Um, one of the more uh, sort of common examples that's talked about is uh, Augustine's interpretation of the parable of the Good Samaritan. Yeah, he, he doesn't number. And it's 
I mean, it's breathtaking in its in its imagination, mm-hmm. and it's breathtakingly wrong. Yeah, <laughs> for as brilliant as Augustine was, um, you know, he 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 goes through and, and makes some correspondences where you're like, um, interesting. I'm not sure how you get to that. Like, um, let's see here. Let me pull. Oh, it up. do you have it right there? I, I have some notes. Yes. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. So things like, um, you know, so in the parable of the Good Samaritan, the uh, the Samaritan takes the the injured man to an inn. Yes. Yes. Well, that's clearly the church. Obviously. 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 For, for Augustine, um, and of course the the innkeeper is Paul, the apostle Paul. Oh, the apostle Paul. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> obviously. And so, um, you know. The fact that he gives him two denarii uh, is uh, because there's the promise of this life and the life to come. Really? Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and that's just a taste. There's a lot more there. So it gives, but but it gives you a flavor of this sort of unbridled free association kind of approach to the parables, and um, that's just not how they work. Yeah. Now, there are some parables where Jesus gives detailed correspondences like the parable of the sower. He walks through. This is what each each uh, soil essentially represents. This is what the seed represents. It kind of gives the clear details. But most of them he doesn't. And so you have to use a sort of um, judicious uh, interpretive wisdom mm-hmm. to see what he's getting at without going crazy. Okay. Um any favorites? Uh, any any parables or or anything else you want to say about the parables? But any that you particularly enjoy? Um, I there's a lot. I think um, I've always been drawn to the parable of the prodigal sons. Sure. Notice the plural there. The sons plural. there. Um, and the one that I mentioned. Uh, a few minutes ago about the parable of the the workers in the vineyard hmm. who uh, are hired at different times of the day. Um, I've always enjoyed that. But uh, those are a few that stand out to me. What about you? Um, so I've taught the Good Samaritan several times and have always really enjoyed the Good Samaritan. So that's one of my favorite. Um, I'd also say the Prodigal Sons is also one of my favorites just just based on, you know, who I, who I read, Tim Keller. Um, shout out to McKay. Shout out to McKay. And that's always one I think of like this one has more than one meaning. But, you know, this this one has multiple, multiple things going on there. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of elements to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always appreciate that one just because it has two other parables that are sort of attached to it as yeah. well. And I think that's something that plays into parables that um, I don't often think about is that they do interact and engage uh, with the uh, stories surrounding them. Um, the what, what's happening in this yeah. particular part of the gospel. And I think that's a good example of that. Indeed. And I think it's important to recognize uh, the larger literary context of, paral- of parables um, because they do often uh, – in several places, there is a series of them that build mm-hmm. on each other. The example you just gave is, is an excellent one because there's a, there's a pattern that's established in the two parables before it that informs how you should read the third parable. There's also um, even just the the larger literary context, not necessarily a parable if there's parables around it, but the fact that um, you know an incident might occur 
that raises an issue and then that sparks a parable. I mean, that's that's ultimately how we have the good uh, the parable that's of right. the good Samaritan. That's right. You have yeah. a, you have an expert in the Mosaic law asking Jesus, "What do I have to do to inherit eternal life?" And they have a little back and forth, and then in response to Jesus, uh, in response to the lawyer asking, "So who's my neighbor?" Yeah. Then Jesus tells the parable. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know that that helps you understand part of what's going on with the with the parable and and how to interpret it rightly. And I think that one thing that maybe we haven't hit on here that we probably should make sure we do that is, I think a helpful way of thinking about parables is they are um, they are windows into the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I, I sometimes I'll use the illustration. You're probably not old enough to to have experienced this. Maybe you have. I don't know. But back in the day, way back, when you'd go to a shoe store, oh boy, a clerk would actually come over, and they would measure your foot, and then you would say, "Oh, I'm looking. I'm thinking of getting this kind of shoe." And then they would make some suggestions or recommendations. Go in the back, pull out, you know, whatever size. Mm-hmm. So it's more of a full service experience. I do remember getting my foot sized when I was okay. a child with okay. on, on like one of those silver and black yep. metal plates yep. with the sliders. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I do. Go. I do remember that. Yeah. And so um, – but inevitably when they would bring the shoes out and you, you, people still do this today, right? You try it on. Yep. You put on the shoe. And you walk in it. You walk around the store a little bit and see how does it fit? How does it feel? There's a sense in which Jesus tells the parables – to allow people to walk around in the kingdom of God hmm. and see how it fits, see what it feels like, and to see, is this something I want? Is this something that I would fit in with? And oftentimes the answer is, I want this, but I wouldn't fit in here because my my heart and mind and life are not aligned with the values mm-hmm. and the and the priorities of the kingdom. So I think having that kingdom mindset is really helpful to understand the parables that that every parable at some level is trying to tell you something about God's kingdom. And um, you also know that I, I still use this. I still use this in my classes, but it's getting more and more dated. You know, I use the Seinfeld clip. Oh yeah, yeah, Bizarro from, world. from Bizarro Jerry that episode. Yeah, so it's getting dated. Yeah, a number of it's dated, but yeah. it's so good. It is. Because it makes my point, doesn't it? Yes. And it's on Hulu. They really have no excuse. They right. really should have seen it by this point. <laughs> they should. Right. They really should know Seinfeld. Totally. Maybe, perhaps better than you and I. You know. Easy. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think keeping that sort of kingdom perspective in, in mind is, is, is helpful um, when it comes to that. Doc, any any particular resources you recommend when it comes to parables? Just maybe as uh, as we're working our way through them, that, yep. that somebody could grab as a supplement to to help them understand them more deeply. If you're going to do any serious teaching or study of the parables, I I think you have to invest in this book by Klein Snodgrass. Great name, great name. The book is called Stories with Intent. Mm-hmm. And it's like a 800, 900 page behemoth thing. Yeah, I think behemoth is the right word. That deals with each of the parables. And part of the beauty of it is it, it walks through things like how has this been interpreted? 
What are the key interpretive issues? What are the historical and cultural background that you need to know to understand what's going on? Because oftentimes there are things going on in a parable where you're like, I just – I don't understand it. And it's because you're, you're not familiar with the historical and cultural context of what's, what Jesus is doing mm-hmm. so that it doesn't you know, necessarily land with you as it should. So provides that. Also provides Old Testament parallels as well as um, if there's any parallels in like Greek literature or even rabbinic literature to that parable. So it's not a book that you're going to sit there and read through. It's more of a reference work, but it is the definitive go-to that uh, if you can only get one thing, get yeah. that. Yeah. Two other resources I'll mention, uh, both by Craig Blomberg. He wrote a book called Interpreting the Parables where he goes through each of the uh, of the parables and, and draws out really helpful stuff. And then this one's a little different. He also wrote a book called Preaching the Parables where he gives you a sermon manuscript of, of him preaching a parable. And then after that, he kind of walks you through the rationale for the decisions he made and how to preach it. So it's an interesting sort of pull back the curtain and see why did you choose to make that connection there or that – I, I think that can be helpful yeah. for people as they as they go to prepare for preaching or teaching on the parables. Well, very cool. Yeah, I do have that Klein Snodgrass. That's K-L-Y-N-E, yeah. Snodgrass, just like it sounds. There you go. And we'll have links for that in the show notes. Yeah, we can throw those in there. So for sure. that uh, you know, we can make big bucks off a of Klein. Actually, we lost that ability. What? Yeah, we lo- Amazon said you haven't sold anything. We're kicking you out of the thing. So <laughs> yeah, we no longer have that ability, but we can still post the links. <sighs> That's too bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of hoping that I could pay for my retirement that way. So yeah, you might want to look at other avenues. other options. Yeah, other options. Okay. Speaking of other options, it is. Episode 90. And so we need an athlete, John. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have some excellent options at 90. Uh, I believe mostly football players here. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. Uh, Javon Curse. Yes. Uh, great defensive end for the Titans and the Eagles. Did he play anywhere else? Um, his nickname was The Freak. Great nickname. Uh, yes. And he was, I remember, he was like the one of the first defensive ends that was just a really big freak athlete. Yeah, I, in doing a little bit of reading up on him, he he was able to run like he ran a, a four four forty and had like a forty six inch vertical leap and was playing defensive end. You yeah, know? yeah, <laughs> that's just not fair. Um, he he was a beast. I remember him. I was living in Tennessee at the time. He was on the Titans, and yeah. so I basically saw him every Sunday. He was he was fantastic. Yeah. Um, uh, another one that I saw regularly, Julius Peppers, also wore ninety, mm-hmm. um, and he's had. Quite a long career. Uh, 2002 to 2018 he played. Yeah, that's impressive. That's long. Panthers, uh, Bears, and Packers. Yeah. Um, and he also, in college, went to North Carolina, played on the basketball team, was a significant contributor. You don't see too many of those guys yeah. left anymore that, that play both on the football and basketball teams and are like meaningful contributors. Um, also, great last name, Peppers. Yeah. Uh, for defensive end. Um, and then uh, – Another defensive end, yeah. uh, modern day uh, guy. Well, those two other guys are pretty fairly modern day, but uh, still T- playing. Yeah. T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt, who, who just made a boatload of money. Who just inked a big <laughs> contract. I, I think he was in Mr. Rooney's office. I think he went in and signed it without it, like his agent's approval. You know, I think I heard there was all sorts of stuff surrounding that signing. Yeah. yeah. So he's been in the league since 2017, 
Uh, so still very early in his career. Um, younger brother of J.J. Watt. Yep. Um, T.J. went to Wisconsin. Mm. So I remember watching him in college against uh, against Ohio State. So uh, we also have our OSU entrant. Uh, Lorenzo Styles was a – it's a good last name. That is a good last name. Was a linebacker from 92 to 94, had a six-year NFL career, and won a Super Bowl with the Rams. Oh, nice. So – Probably that first Super Bowl, huh? Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Yep. Part of the greatest show on turf. Yeah. As a linebacker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, who do you like? Um, I probably lean towards Javon Curse. Okay. The freak. I can get on board with Javon yeah. Curse. Sure. Yeah. Uh, TJ Watt's just too young still. I agree. It was it was between Javon Curse and Julius Peppers for me. Um, yeah. I mean – Peppers had a long career, which is impressive, but I think I'm going to go with the freak. Yeah. Yeah. All right. One thing we liked. Uh, this weekend, uh, my wife and I had uh, all of our – all of my students in the blended program where students are getting their uh, MDiv in five or MA in four while getting their undergrad here at Grace. It was nice to just have everybody over to the house. We had about 20 people over, cookout. Uh, all those sorts of things, uh, cornhole, the the whole nine. And uh, shout out to my wife who doesn't listen, but um, <laughs> she she pulled it off. Uh, she uh, did, I would say, ninety five percent of the work to pull it off. So, but you smoked, did you I, not? Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I I put things on the smoker for sure. Okay. Yeah, I did the meat. You're only giving yourself five percent out of that. Well. <sighs> I mean, I, I put it on at like 6 a.m. I went up and worked on uh, uh, stuff for my, my class at CCC on Sunday and then came back and took it off. So it wasn't, okay. it wasn't a huge effort on my part. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. How about yourself? So I'm going to go with um, a book that I recently finished. Um, I, I read a lot, but for sort of just strict – pleasure reading that requires no intellectual effort on my part at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy reading mystery, thriller kind of kind of books. And I read one last week, you know, and a lot of these are, you know, modestly entertaining, but not don't stand out. Mm-hmm. This one stood out to me. It's a book by Lisa Jewell entitled Then She Was Gone. So I would highly hmm. recommend that if you like that kind of genre. It is full of plot twists and um, and interesting characters. So, um, yeah, I, I'm hesitant to say much about it. I guess I could give a little bit of a description. It's basically about this woman whose daughter disappears when she's like 15, hmm. when, when, when the daughter's 15. And it takes her like 10 years to move on from this tragedy when they discover finally that, yes, she was she was killed. But um, just a lot of plot twists and turns of new people she's meeting that intersect with that period of her life and just – yeah, I don't want to give much, too much of it away. OK. Here. But uh, Then She Was Gone by Lisa Jewell. OK. All right. Well, John – 
Are we about right here to call uh, mission accomplished? I think so. We've talked quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We have discussed a new review. Yeah, and we got trashed our listener in the process. Yeah, listener. Not I said listeners. Listener. S- singular. Yeah. Listener. Yeah. S- singular. Yeah. yeah. Not everybody here. Just that one guy. Just that person. one person. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know whether don't they know. are male or female. Um, we've we've revisited the fact that the Jets are bad and the Buckeyes are struggling. So the more things change, the more they stay the same. Mm-hmm. We've talked a little parables. Little, mm-hmm. And we've announced an, uh, a series that we're going to do. We'll have to discuss which parable we're going to do yes. next week. We'll have to figure that out. Off air, though. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We've settled on Javon Curse, the freak. We've talked about blended students and a mystery thriller. So I think by definition, we have covered our various and sundry topics. And so at this point, I think all that's left to say until next time... The Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.